You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. Elliot Kawaoka. And we are hosting Age Groupers for Life, episode number 10. Uh, we are back from the dead. We apologize for, uh, what, at least four-month hiatus here, but uh, we're going to get back on track here and uh, um, looking forward to, to keeping things going here. So um, topic for today is going to be going over some essential kind of gadgets that we think are important for everybody to at least consider having. Um, but we're going to go over uh, a couple uh, races that uh, both Elliot and I have had since uh, our last recording here. So um, how goes it here, Elliot? Pretty good. The weather in Arizona is starting to heat up. But, yeah, I was uh, busy with my marathon training lately. So trying to get back into triathlon training and going for ride, get, getting myself used to going for bike rides again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, we got dumped uh, on with a foot and a half of snow yesterday. So. Oh wow. Uh, well, you <laughs> can come visit me anytime. It's gonna, be, gonna be gone soon here, but uh, wasn't good for morale. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right, cool. So let's start off. You had a marathon that you ran. Uh, geez, now what was that? Uh, what was the date of that? It was uh, February twenty fifth. So, yep. All right. So a little over a month ago. Yeah. That was which marathon? It's Phoenix Marathon. So it it actually it doesn't take place in Phoenix. It's it starts in like East Mesa and ends in downtown Mesa. So okay. I don't know why they call it the Phoenix Marathon, but yeah. <laughs> whatever. Bigger name than Mesa, <laughs> but uh, cool. So um, yeah, what was your time? It was two forty four fifty nine sixty sixty nine. So, Sorry, I giggled during that because I wasn't sure what you were going to say. Yeah, let's hear that time <laughs> one more time. 2.44.59.69. So the funny story about this is uh, the the race time showed 2.45, and I knew to qualify for Berlin Marathon, you need to run under 2.45. So I emailed the timing company after the race, and I'm like, I need my time to the hundredth of a second. So they emailed me back the next day with that time, and... I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> oh, so, okay. I actually didn't hear that part of the story. That's funny. So you've qualified for the Berlin Marathon. Huh? Yeah. Are you going to do it? Um, I'm thinking about it because I've never left North America. So yeah. figured All that right. place, everyone says that place is amazing. So it would be a good excuse to go there. Very cool. But, um, yeah, let's take a step back and confirm, yeah, to a sub-245 marathon. That is uh, the real deal. Congratulations. Yep. And it was, yeah, training for this one was a lot different. I mean, uh, 
kind of just kind of put swimming and biking on the back burner for a little bit and just really ramped up the run training which I don't know it's something that I myself as a coach I don't recommend to a lot of people but I mean I kind of I really wanted to try this kind of training out the high volume run training that all these elite runners are doing so I mean I was up to 60 70 miles a week and that was way more than what I was used to but I mean it paid off I mean I PR'd by six or seven minutes six and a half minutes and I don't know I think when when you get to our level like a six minute PR is pretty big right um and so how much biking and uh swimming and biking were you doing um about maybe two times a week swimming two times a week biking but I mean it was kind of just easy spinning yeah easy stuff Yeah. yeah okay all right but um, I mean, I think that's still keeping that specificity in there was probably a good move and, yeah. uh, um, you know, help you as you transition back. Yeah. To, I mean, uh, and, and one thing I noticed too, is just like, I mean, the increased run volume, how much more it beats up your body. So that's why I feel like triathlons is so much better for you because you, you don't get beat up as much and your run volume is typically a lot lower than like a marathon, a, a standalone marathon build. Right. I mean, exactly. even even in yeah. Ironman training, you're forty miles a week, maybe. So. Yeah. Um, sure. And yeah. I mean, but you also guess got to consider. I mean, yes, your your run mileage went up, but obviously, still, you know that uh, the the bike, swimming and biking still helped. You know, your overall fitness and things like that towards becoming a stronger runner. And you know, as opposed to somebody that was just purely running, I think you're you know, put yourself in a better position there and, and minimize the, the taxing on your body, even yep. though it was still pretty significantly higher than before. Yeah. Um, so, um, cool. So, um, what do you think with the exception of, you know, the increased run volume there, um, anything else that helped you achieve that, uh, awesome time? Um, actually just mixing in a lot more race pace kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's another risky move is, doing all those like i mean so every monday i had a tempo run every wednesday it was track so i mean it was a lot of fast race pace or really fast efforts so i mean i paid really close attention to just recovering rolling stretching after every workout and just trying my best to recover because i mean i was running pretty much every day right and and paying Um, attention to and i really paid attention to it this time is when i was given a slow run to run just really slow i mean sometimes i didn't even bring my watch and i just shuffled for half an hour 45 minutes right yeah so definitely took advantage of making the hard workouts hard and the easy workouts easy okay makes sense um very cool. What about um, like during the race itself? Did you change anything there? I think there was any key factors that played into it. So actually, on this, at this race, it's so this was a downhill race. Um, I mean, about a thousand feet of elevation loss. So oh wow, okay. I really didn't go off of pacing per se. It was way more off a of heart rate. So like we had a hill, like there's one major hill, but other than that, it's it's all downhill. But I had, I mean, I followed pretty much heart rate the entire way, and I I kind of 
did the first half pretty conservatively, and then second half I opened it up as far as heart rate goes. But um, it it really did work. And I feel like I, I know you and I talked about this the other day uh, privately over the phone how you got to kind of disregard heart rate sometimes. But I feel like for long races like marathons or Ironmans, it's it can be a very useful tool to monitor because it, it is such a long race. And I mean, if you don't, if you go out too hard, I mean, you can really pay for the consequences later on in the race. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that there's uh, a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, and I guess that brings me to, I mean, you did significantly or eh, not, maybe not significantly, but you negative split it, right? Yep. 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 And I, I feel and like that is that the key. Yeah, K, that right? is that is the key to running a fast marathon because, I mean, I've I've coached people through them, and it is the last ten k where you, it it makes or breaks a race, and everyone is on point through mile eighteen, and then they just hit that wall, and I don't know when they when you're banking time like ten seconds, I mean you can easily lose it running. 30 seconds slower per mile in the last 10 K and that's a big chunk of time that you're, that you're losing because you went out too hard. So that's one thing I really, I paid attention to is like, I have to start out conservatively. And I mean, that first 18 miles felt easy. And then I just really opened it up and gave it everything I had the last six miles, eight miles. Yeah. Okay. And what about, I think I remember you telling me you were running with a group a decent amount of the run. Is that true? Yeah. So, I mean, I had one of my buddies was about 50 feet ahead of me the entire way. So he really helped. And then this chick uh, from out of state somewhere, she was, she's like a elite runner and she kind of, she kind of helped motivate me too. So I feel like just having people to chase or to run with that are, of equal ability i mean that really does help motivate you throughout okay. the race so like were you actually in like a, a pack at all where you're getting any kind of like you know staying in close enough where you you could have some win loss or different things like that or you think even just having your friend up in front of you um was kind of the key portion um of it? yeah so like early on like i had a like a small pack like two or three runners that we were running pretty consistently and then I mean, after 13 miles, I, I, I kind of surged a little bit ahead because, I mean, I was taking it fairly easy and then kind of dropped that pack. And then my whole goal from there on out was just catching my friend. So, and, and the wind, the wind was perfect that day. I mean, it was, there was nothing. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, early on I, I did like kind of, right behind people drafting them a little bit but yeah cool um what about so like zone wise what would you say your heart rate was for the first half of the race and then kind of how'd it go from there if you remember uh so high zone two the first half and yeah. like i said it's downhill so my average pace was probably like 615 620s the entire way and then um low end zone three and then zone four like the last 10k yeah cool 
And I mean, and certainly so people may be thinking here, oh, you know, downhill, that makes things easier. But uh, especially personally, I I think I'd I'd rather, (laughs) right, I'd I'd rather run uphill than than downhill in most cases. That is the way that you're planning. I mean, I certainly, I guess it depends on the incline or decline, I should say, um, that you're running at. But uh, did it, did it feel more painful or like, did it? Did it help you much or do you feel... Um, uh, I definitely like, feel like yeah. it helps you. So like if you're used to running on a treadmill, it I I mean the, the decline isn't substantial where you're like, oh, I'm running downhill right now. But it's, I like to put it as you're running at like 0% on a treadmill, which is, they say to put it at what, 1.5% if you want to mimic right, one, a flat. 1.5, yeah. yep. So I, it's pretty much running like on a 0% incline on a treadmill so it's you just uh it's 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 interesting because like i go my most of the runs that i go on are flat completely flat not downhill or and i mean i was never even close to those kind of paces and during that race it was just i mean it's i think it's easily 15 seconds faster per mile yeah interesting um so you just brought it, huh? Yeah. Um, good deal. How was the recovery from that? Oh, I was a wreck. I mean, <laughs> I think everyone that ran runs that race hard, it's all that downhill running. It's just your quads the next day. I mean, can't tell you the last time I was that sore, but, yeah, I mean, it took a couple of weeks to finally feel normal so again. <laughs> much, much more severe than an Ironman, right? Oh, definitely. And it's different yeah. too. I mean, Ironman, you're you're a lot more fatigued, and sure. I think it during these open marathons, you are you're hurting more. I mean, there's a yeah. lot more uh, there's a lot more just soreness and muscle damage. I think. Yeah. Right. Well, because you are running at a faster pace, right? Yeah. So, um, perhaps a, a good topic for another day, but. Uh, you know that just the uh, reasoning of why we don't want to run a marathon as part of our actual specific Ironman prep <laughs> exactly. uh, racing there, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, out of season or you know, depending on what your goals are and things like that, you know, certainly something that uh, can be done, but um, you know, can really be detrimental to to Ironman training. So I agree. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Okay. Um, so well, let's awesome, talk man. about uh, yeah, let's again. talk about That's your good. race. All right. Uh, so I did um, San Juan, Puerto Rico, 70.3, um, March 19th here, a couple weeks ago now. Um, and things went pretty well for me. I ended up uh, winning my age group and was the second overall amateur by four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was good. I. Um, been an interesting winter uh definitely a bit of a challenge especially at the start of the winter just trying to uh you know find the balance between family life work and uh and training and uh definitely let family life and work take uh you know more priority and you know just wasn't doing as much training as i would have liked um you know at the beginning of the winter but um definitely the last couple of months leading up to the race really kind of buckled down and uh got into a good groove of training um 
didn't have as much travel with with work i think definitely helped as well um but um yeah it went well i mean it's it's uh it's a fast it's definitely a fast um well the swim is a non-wetsuit swim so um you know i i I did pick up my swimming as we got close to the race but um you know i kind of got what i thought about i was going to be at so i swam uh about a little over a little under 32 for the swim um which maybe again another topic for another day i ended up was still fifth in my age group coming out of the water with a 31.45 which uh is a bit baffling to me i i don't know i should not be in fifth place coming out of the water if i'm swimming you know just under 32 minutes but um anyway so uh got out on the bike and um had uh, had a very good bike minus uh my hip significantly hurting the entire time i do have a a uh, labral tear in my left hip and so oh, wow. uh i really can't train in my in the arrow position on the trainer because there's just no give um for my you know so outdoors it does seem to do a little better normally when i can prepare for it and maybe it's just getting worse but uh um uh, you know within probably five ten minutes tops i was in some decent agony of uh you know and feeling my hip and kind of just said well you know i'll see how long i can go um fortunately for me i did i kind of got out there and i was actually the third to last wave so passing a lot of people and kind of non-stop with that but um i did have a guy from the 30 to 34 age group um come up and pass me and uh that was kind of the the key i think and a huge turning point for me because it kind of uh, shook me up a little bit and kind of woke me up and, and really motivated me to start pushing a little bit more on the bike. So, uh, he and I, uh, went back and forth for probably about 45, 40, 45 miles or so. Um, you know, again, you know, as I've, I've talked about in my blogs a few times and things, and I think we've talked about a little bit on here, but, uh, you know, promise everybody I wasn't drafting but uh you know was staying within that range but just having somebody that you're pacing with um and going back and forth with can just be a huge motivation and you know just keep you on the gas uh the entire time so um like I said and this it's a kind of a unique ride where you, you go out you do two loops and then you come back in so um we we kind of caught up at the beginning of that first loop and then we went back and forth most of the the up until the kind of last quarter maybe of the of the the, the second loop and uh, i kind of took off from him um so i ended up with a 216 35 bike split um the wind that's a is that a big pr bad. that's a that's your fastest 70.3 bike split too right uh i'm not sure i think florida 70.3 last year was a little bit faster um i think i was in the 215s there but uh still definitely up there and um you know i was happy with it uh there was a pretty good headwind um on the way back into town and uh was starting to fade a little bit there um starting to get a little nervous about how my hip was going to feel on the run but um decided just uh like i said just kind of kept going with it um it did start to sprinkle a little bit uh, as we we're coming in on the bike uh, off the bike there so uh, but i did get out on the run and settled in pretty quickly it's actually it's a quite challenging run course it gets super hot out there um and it's it's very very rolly there's really like no flat to the course and there's a couple pretty steep significant climbs so 
Um, I was third off the bike, and one thing that was awesome about this race is uh, well, um, my triathlon club, Northeast Multisport, we kind of made it our, our destination race for this year, and um, we had a couple, uh, or we had a, uh, eight people, eight or nine people racing, um, and we had a couple folks that just came down, actually a, a friend of mine, Ryan, that uh that is part of the team and competes normally he came down with his wife just just to spectate so uh he was a good sharp before me out there on the course um so i knew i passed somebody kind of right off the get-go in the run um from my age group um and then he told me that i was third off the bike so i kind of knew i was in second and then there was another guy that i did swim with initially that kind of took off of me on the swim and i knew i hadn't passed him on the bike um so we started going that's a two-loop run so we started going out on the um there's a out and back um in the oven they call it it's kind of this it runs across this it's right on the coast um against this wall of this kind of castle thing um which is pretty neat but um i passed him um coming up out kind of on the first lap still um and you know, I was or actually at the turnaround. I could see him, and uh, I knew I was gaining on him pretty quick. So that kind of gave me some confidence and a good feeling that I, had, you know, was gonna was gonna pass him. And you know, if, as long as nobody else passed me, uh, I'd be you know up for the the age group win. So with that, um, I kept it pretty conservative. Um, I felt on the the second loop. You know, there's a couple again significant climbs, so I was really careful. I did run the entire time, but. Uh, I want to make sure that I didn't blow up, um, knowing, you know, kind of where, or where I thought I was anyways. So, um, I did pick it up kind of for the last mile or so, but, uh, outside of that, uh, I kept it relatively comfortable and, um, still ran, uh, 129.21. So my t- total time was 422.47. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a good day. Nice. Um, one thing that, um, was interesting actually and as funny as i was as we talk about heart rate here i was contemplating not racing with with heart rate um just to uh you know go off feel a little bit more and i got out of the swim and jumped on the bike and my heart rate wasn't working so um it made it pretty easy for me to make the decision that uh or to, or i guess not didn't have a choice but to uh to trust my feel a little bit you know definitely was focused on my power um what i average i want to say it was 280 285 on the bike um and then um you know on the run was was looking at my mile splits but uh was trusting my feel and looking at my cadence there primarily so when so, you're when you're talking about being conservative on the run it's all by feel yep yep so um I don't have my splits up in front of me here, but uh, it was definitely pretty consi- conservative, um, or excuse me, consistent. Um, I did have one mile that was over seven, I think, when it was this pretty long climb on the second loop that, uh, again, kept going, but uh, just didn't want to didn't want to overdo it there. Um, besides that, I was mostly in the 630, 650 range, I think, throughout. So, um and it was it definitely was was hot i I didn't feel like it was kind of kona hot um but uh there's no doubt it was warm out there and trying to stay cool was was definitely uh a key part of it yeah that race Uh, sounds a lot like kona with all the wind and or the wind you're describing and the humidity is it was it humid oh yeah yeah there's definitely some good humidity uh at that one so 
Um, you know, it was uh, it was good. Um, very very happy. You know, again, I felt like I was uh, you know a lot of wild cards and wasn't quite sure what was going to happen there uh you know especially on the bike there so to get these results and uh that's right my first race as a 35 to 39er yeah are you uh, gonna tell everyone the joke you pulled on me after the race oh that's right that's right (laughs) so uh (laughs) so the um the you know i did actually qualify to get my pro card if i wanted to by being one of the top three amateurs um so I actually didn't even notice that, and someone sent me a note telling me, oh, you're going to take your pro card. And so I decided to text Elliot and say, hey, man, I, we're going to have to change the name of the podcast. Uh, I've decided I'm going to go pro. And I totally believed and, you. Uh, <laughs> he said, oh, good for you. And I said, what? Hell no, man. I'm an age grouper for life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, I mean, uh, I'd be lying if there wasn't some temptation there. I guess it would be kind of cool to say that uh, or to race professional. But uh, I really, you know, it's it's I don't think it's in my best interest. And being a 35 year old with uh, with three kids and, um, you know, lots of other things going on. I just don't think that it, it makes sense for me. So. Uh, I'm going to happily continue as an age grouper here. Um, so, yep, but uh, uh, that did uh, was fun to, to joke with Elliot here a little bit. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so obviously great starts for both of us to our seasons here. So, Elliot, you're getting back into triathlon mode here. Yep, I got a and, race and next week, so... That'll be oh, my first. Week? Yeah, is a, a a local Olympic, so it'll That's be interesting Olympic. to see how I do. Because after that marathon build, I got on my started riding again, like doing actual workouts, and it it felt a lot more challenging than when I was in good bike shape, hitting certain numbers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, but it, it does come around. Pretty yeah, it comes you back. Know, if you, you can you know get that focus and. You know, one thing I'll say is, you know, when I think that was successful for me is, you know, I did kind of slack off a bit. I don't want to say slack, you know, I was just, you know, prioritizing what I needed to prioritize. But, you know, when it came down to kind of crunch time to be consistent with my training and things, I I did make sure I was I was pretty good about that. Yeah, and that's I think that's one thing that you're really good at is, you know, when to turn it on as far as training to get to prepare for a race. Yeah. Yep. So, knock on wood, uh, that's been pretty good. Um, and uh, now I'm uh, well. Hopefully, if it ever gets warm enough out here, uh, going to be switching over. And uh, my next race is actually going to be an Xterra. So, um, getting on the mountain bike soon here. Hopefully. Nice. And, so uh, when is that? Looking forward to that. Uh, first one is uh, May twentieth. Okay. Uh, so about six weeks here. Be going down to New Jersey for uh, Xterra over yonder. So should be fun. Looking forward to it. So, yeah. So um, you know that's kind of what's new with us here. Now let's uh, let's kick it over to uh, what we're doing with our gadgets here and talking about the uh, essential gadgets that we think that uh, that you should be working with here. All right. So now we're going to roll into part two of the podcast here, where we're going to talk about essential gadgets. So, uh, as most people know, and certainly Elliot always busts my chops about, uh, I'm a huge gadget guy and 
I can justify buying just about anything uh, to try and test it out for people and get my kind of feedback and see if it has value for me and my clients. So um, we can definitely, or this one could go astray pretty easily. We're going to kind of stick to a couple core um, pieces of uh, technology or gadgets that uh, we think are really valuable and maybe we'll do another show where we go with some of the crazier stuff and things like that. But um that's what we're going to start with and try and stick to here, right, buddy? Yep. All right. So let's let's start with uh, technology piece number one, which has got to be the Garmin Forerunner um, triathlon version. I'll say because there's actually I'd say three to four different versions that uh, are out right now that uh, that would work for most people. Um, so I'm still using the Garmin uh, 4Runner 920 XT. Mm, you're old school. Um, technically old school now, huh? Jeez. <laughs> um, but uh, even though what that thing's still less than two years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, and I really like that one. But uh, you know, there's some now. The uh, 735 XT is the one that is now added in the heart rate. Uh, abilities um on the wrist which elliot that's what you have right now yep that's the one i have the 735 cool right and then um there's the phoenix versions um which i do have a few clients actually using um it also has some more i feel like that's just like a, a mountain and kind of a, a woodsman watch as opposed to a triathlon watch but definitely um has the majority of the functionality and then the 935 XT just came out in the last few days um, but regardless of different versions or whatnot you know I think hands down this is the best piece of equipment that you can buy as a triathlete and that you're going to get your most uh, best bang for your buck for um, I was thinking about the prep for this and I mean really even if you can get like the 920 now for actually I just helped one of my clients get one with the heart rate monitor for 250 uh, but let's say even you know you're spending 350 400 bucks on this you know if you use that pretty much every day for two years you know that's like 50 cents a day you're paying for the thing and you know the data that it can collect for you you know so for those that are really uh new to this stuff i mean so it's got you know gps in it uh it can track your swims for both the pool or in the open water it'll do your speed and you know if you have the heart rate strap the heart rate for uh, the bike, um, you know, your cadence and things like that can be, uh, with the cadence sensor can be measured on here, uh, and then run, you know, your pacing, your distances, um, all those kind of things are all done. And, you know, it has the, a lot of custom ability where, you know, you can change which data screens you're looking at. It's got the triathlon mode. Um, and even now these ones do actually have the, the ability to track the number of steps you're taking each day, your sleep, um, you know, if you're wearing them all the time, which I do wear mine all the time, you know, it's, it's just a, a core piece of technology that, uh, easily allows you to upload your data, um, to, you know, final search, training peaks, whatever, um, coaching software you're using, you know, Garmin connect, um, and Strava and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I just went on and on for a little bit there, but, um, you know, it's, it's really, really valuable to me. And, you know, even if you're not working with a coach, just to be able to benchmark things and then be able to, to look back on it at a later date, I think is extremely uh, beneficial here. Um, oh, you want to jump in for a minute here? Yeah. And to your point where 
I mean, looking online, even at past Forerunner, like Garmin Forerunner devices on eBay or Craigslist, I mean, there's some older version Forerunners that do exactly the same thing as these newer versions. I mean, newer versions have additional features like Bluetooth and a lot of extra data stuff, but if you want a basic GPS watch, I mean, you can get an older version that is, I mean, I bought... I got one from Buddy for a hundred dollars. I mean, it's an it's an old school one, but I mean, it still shows GPS, it shows time, it shows heart rate, um, all the basic features that you really need that I use every day. And I mean, all that extra stuff that they provide is nice, but it's something that you don't really look at every single day. Yeah, I'm looking on. I think it doesn't have any GPS, but uh, just a quick Google search on the 910 XT, which is the one previous to the 920, the one I have. That does almost everything that the 920 does, except for the Bluetooth functionality, um, for 120 bucks. Um, you know, so there's really economical ways to get into this if uh, you don't have it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I consider this to be something that's. Um, I have started out with some clients without these, but uh, I, I essentially consider them to be essential pieces of training equipment if you want to be coached. Uh, because you know, without that data and feedback to your coach, you know, it's—I mean, your coach is definitely uh, going to be struggling a bit to, to really understand what you're doing um, without this this kind of information and with how easy it makes it to upload now with the 920 and newer ones. Um, it's really just a kind of a no-brainer to me. Right. And they, I mean, they are a bit pricey, but like you said, you're using it every single day. It's kind of like a cell phone. Everyone has those iPhones now that are expensive. I mean, these are devices you're using every single day. And I think, and I know, and you think that Garmin is probably the best GPS watch you can buy out there. And we're, I'm not, we're not sponsored by Garmin either. So right. yeah, exactly. Um, so no, that was kind of where I wanted to go with this real quickly. So there's definitely some other, um, companies out there like, uh, um, Sunto, um, definitely polar has some, some, you know, pretty good options. Um, why am I drawing a blank on the other, uh, GPS tracking company? Uh, uh Tom, 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 yes, thank you. Um, definitely has some some options out there, and you know I never would be opposed to have. I have worked with a few clients over the years that that have those. Um, actually, from a heart rate perspective, Polar is considered to have the the most accurate and uh, best heart rate monitor out there. Um, but um, you know the the ability for it to upload and the metrics and things like that that we're seeing afterwards um, with the the forerunners and the Garmin's I think is is superior and um, you know it's the way to go. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, the other really big thing that I love about Garmin is that their support is just amazing, absolutely amazing. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, if you have a problem, which, and again, when you're using these watches for every day for so long, um, I suspect eventually, honestly, you will have problems. But if you call them and let them know what's going on, you know, they'll try and help you. And if they don't, you know, re offer to replace it the first time around, um, certainly the second time, if the issue consists, they will, you know, replace it for you. So, I mean, I think I've purchased one 920. I think I may be on my third one now um, without, you know, paying a dime more um, because, you know, they do um, eventually, and again, like I said, when you're using them so much, I think it's it's prone to, to eventually break down. But, um, 
you know, they're always, uh, you know, based in the States, so they're easy to understand and uh, can relate to you and help you out. Um, so, you know, their their support is, is just awesome. So, um, yep, again, not sponsored. Uh, Garmin, if you hear this, you want to help us out, that's great. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're just uh, people yeah, in it. Yeah, Colin, so, how many, uh, how many Gar- Garmin devices do you have? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, I usually end up ponying off uh, older devices to clients, you know, that are trying to get into the game and things like that. But, uh, you know, I do have my, my 4Runner 920 there. I've got an Edge 1000 for the bike, which is, is really nice. And, you know, definitely not something we will – wasn't planning to talk about the Edges at this point, but, you know, our bike computers. Uh, but I do think that they have a lot of value um, where, the, you know, the Edge – it does give you the ability to have something that you can leave right on your bike and it's, you know, got a little bit bigger display than, than the wristwatches do. Um, so you can bring up more metrics if you want to. Um, but, uh, but I see a lot nice of, I mean these, like, yeah. So like the, the triathlon watches that Colin's talking about, I mean, they, they show the same, this display the same information as these bike computers, but yeah. And what I see a lot of triathletes doing is like they have these quick mounts and you can mount your watch onto your bike as well. So one thing you got to just remember is when you get out of transition, you got to remember to take it off your bike and put it on your wrist. But yep. Or, well, so I will say one drawback I've personally experienced with the the quick release. So, you know, again, it, it basically, it sets it up so that there's the wrist strap stays on your wrist, but you can, um, twist off the actual head unit itself um or the computer if you will and you can put it on to a separate mount that you have on your bike um the only problem with that uh geez we're going back probably four or five years ago now is doing a new england season opener beginning uh of the season in may of, of one year and uh started off with my i think it was a 910 um uh, maybe it was older but anyways uh did the swim and I go to pop out of the water, and my head <laughs> unit gone. is uh, is gone. So uh, that stunk and was an expensive mistake there. Um, or you know, so I think it just somehow it it got uh, either whacked off or whatnot. But uh, that is the one drawback of the quick release and you know switching it over. Um, well, maybe in another episode we can also talk about your expensive mistakes that you made. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably could spend a whole episode there but uh we'll uh we'll refrain from doing so okay <laughs> uh, but yeah no the the quick releases you know can be nice but uh, that's definitely something to be concerned about with there um the other thing i will mention about that is um you know when and what the next thing i want to get into is is power meters for the bike um you know, so the the Garmin's do have, and the the wristwatches do have the ability because since they're in plus to be able to pick up on um, pick up power for the bike. But a lot of them will um, drop power pretty often um, because of the movement and just where it kind of is positioned in relation to uh, the power meter. Um, so a lot of times, um, you know, if possible, I recommend getting uh you know some sort of of bike computer in most cases a garmin edge where they have a bunch of different models and you know same kind of thing if you go back a few a model or two um you can usually get some some really good deals on them but i do think that uh it's worth having an actual bike computer on the on the bike uh, such as an edge i agree yeah so 
Um, but, uh, yeah. And then I guess one thing we should do, we, we kind of did talk about, there is an additional charge to do the, the heart rate monitor. Um, but I do think that it's, it's well worth it to get the heart rate monitor. Um, especially if, you know, if you're not going to be riding with a power meter, um, you know, pacing is certainly something that, uh, will always work on your, on your wristwatch there in the four runners. Um, but for most training, you know, people are going to be doing things either by power or heart rate on the bike. Um, and you know, I always say that, uh, it's good to, to look at your heart rate as a secondary metric, even if you're, you know, going by power or pace, um, on the bike and the run, um, because that, that, that feedback can be really beneficial and insight too into what's going on that day. You know, whether it be that you're having a really good day and you maybe you want to push it a little bit more or, you know, more when you're having a tough day and maybe you're a little more tired than you thought you were and, uh, you should maybe be toning it back a little bit. Um, so, you know, then being able to, to take that data and upload it and be able to review that very easily through Garmin connect, you know, which is free or included with your, with your watch when you, uh, create the purchase there or your edge, um, or, you know, again, final surge or training peaks, and you can get really deep into looking at individual segments of a workout or a race and things like that. Uh, but that feedback, even too, if you're, you know, you're not, using it necessarily on a day-to-day um but just being able to look back at that and especially in races i really like to look at some of my clients heart rate data because uh, it can give us an idea of where maybe they could have pushed a little too hard or they held back a little bit uh, or in relation to their power and things like that it also can be a really good indicator there um so yeah so or elliot anything to add on heart um, rate? yeah and i'm just looking at like the garmin connect app right now and it's just um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it because there's just so much data to look at. I'm kind of a data junkie, but I mean, if you start getting used to the heart rate and the pace information, there's also, I mean, it shows elevation, stride length, run cadence, vertical ratio, ground contact time. I mean, these are all like very detailed things, but, um, I think the more experience you get, I mean, you look at these metrics and they they can be very helpful. Exactly. You know, it's, I think as anybody continues to progress in the sport, you're always looking for kind of the next thing to, to focus or improve on. And, you know, some of those me- metrics may be overwhelming at first and not necessarily something you need to focus on too much. But, you know, as it gets more challenging and more challenging to improve and you're, you're fine-tuning things that much more, these are the type of things that can really help you. Yep. So cool. So all right. So let's jump over and talk about uh, power meters for the bike here. So for those of you that are not familiar, uh, a power meter is basically just measuring the amount of work which it distributes or displays, I should say, in your wattage that you're putting out. So um, you know, as you increase your effort, you know, uh, you should end up with with higher amounts of wattage. Um, and, uh, can be just tremendous feedback, uh, on the bike here. And what's, what's really effective about it is it's the, it's the, it's ability to give you that instant feedback. So what, what can be a knock on, on heart rate training is that there's, there's always a little bit of a delay, um, in your, your heart rate from based on the effort level and how it's affecting you. So, you know, the example there is, you know, if you were to do even, let's just call it a 10 second sprint, 
Um, if you've actually, if you've done that properly, your heart rate should be its highest, you know, a second or two after you finish that interval. Um, whereas, you know, if you were to do the same effort with uh, a power meter, um, you know, it's going to instantly shoot up and it's going to show you that exertion level. And then as soon as you stop at that 10 seconds or wherever it may be, it's instantly going to drop down to that, that lower, uh, lower wattage and effort level and, you know, pertains to what you've done there. So, um, you know, that's, that's all fine and dandy, you know, not necessarily relative in that example there of 10 seconds for an endurance athlete, but as you extend out and you look at things and, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit now, I mean, I've been, I've been riding with power for a long time now. I think it's probably seven years or so. Um, and when I ride without power now, um, and maybe I shouldn't be proud of this, but of the, uh, all my bikes now have power meters. So I think I have, <laughs> yeah, I have four different stages power meters and then I have one <laughs> SRM. Um, but it's, it's really, you know, hard and, and I could see, and especially, uh, I didn't always have power meters in all my bikes and, when I'd go out and try and do different intervals and things like that, there was a lot of times I just kind of almost feel lost on them when I was trying to do them off heart rate. Um, and you know, all this should be said with a caveat that you should be, you know, trusting or understanding, you know, your effort levels and your perceived rate of exertion. Um, you know, that's important to look at as well, but the, the feedback from, you know, the, the power there can be extremely beneficial and, you know, can help you, um, in multiple ways, you know, um, one thing I'll mention here is, uh, the great Joe Friel, um, at one point, I think it wasn't in the triathlon Bible, but, uh, he wrote that book and is kind of considered one of the foundation coaches of triathlon. Um, and, uh, he, he once said that a power meter is almost like cheating on the bike. And the reason he said that is basically that it's, you know, it's allowing you to truly control your effort level um, for especially long course races. I think it's just gigantic. Mm. Um, you know, so when you're you're starting out at the beginning of the race, you know, you may be really, or the, the bike, I should say, um, you know, you may be really amped up and the adrenaline's going and things like that. And actually, I, I can remember an example of, uh, I think it was... Um, you know, an early Ironman that I did and I felt like I was soft pedaling and I was putting out over 300 Watts and it was like, Whoa, you know, that's, uh, that's not the effort I want to start out in the first five minutes on my bike here. Um, so, you know, it can, can help tone you back a bit at the beginning at times. And, you know, definitely. And one thing you, most people learn when they first use a power meter is holy moly, how much power they're putting out when they're going up hills and right. things like that. So, um, you know, it can help you control that effort and make sure that you're keeping that consistent, which, you know, for, um, almost everybody that's doing an Ironman, you know, the, the pros may be a little bit of exception or the very top age groupers, you know, it's, it's all about that consistency and, you know, power meter is a, a huge way to be able to, to help you do that. So, or sorry, I rambled there. Elliot, you want to jump in on that at all? Yeah. And like you said, like I use heart rate as a secondary measure, but there are many things that can affect heart rate. Like if you're fatigued or you're dehydrated or yeah. And, and the power is, it's kind of like a lie detector. Like, so I have the power pedals and I call them like the lie detectors for my feet. Like it, they don't lie. The numbers don't lie. So, and 
one thing I learned early on too is like, yeah, you work so much harder like early on in the race, and it, they really teach you to like kind of tone it back a little bit. And I think it just really helped with my pacing on the bike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, expanding on that a little bit more, and you know, in relation to heart rate. So ultimately, let's say you're doing a half Ironman or an Ironman. You know, if you were to keep that exact perfect effort level the entire time. You know, on the power meter, you know, let's say that would equate to, you know, 200 watts that you'd be riding at the whole time. Whereas with a heart rate monitor, technically, because your effort's going up there, uh, or excuse me, is your, your heart rate's going to increase as you're, you continue at that steady state just because of your exertion and, you know, fatigue will start to set in and things like that. So, you know, what is, let's say, 140 beats per minute and the first half of that ride, uh, um, you know, from a power perspective is probably going to be higher than if you were just to maintain that 140 on the second half. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going purely off heart rate and you keep that exactly the same, the entire ride, most likely you're going to, you know, have a positive split, um, and end up slowing down, you know, on that bike. Um, so, you know, that's where it can, can really help you, you know, and again, I feel like it's, it's good at toning people back at the beginning and then maybe helping them keep that push and keep the, keep the pedal to the metal, you know, as you're, uh, as you're ending the bike there. So, um, but you know, as far as power meters, you know, and that's definitely a benefit for people that aren't, uh, that do not have power meters yet is there's just tons of different options and things like that coming out. Um, when Elliot and I, I think we're, we're first getting our power meters, you know, there was basically the SRMs, which I think retail for at least 2,500 bucks still, I think. Um, and then there was the power tap hub based, uh, and sorry, the SRMs are, are crank based, um, where you, you know, you put their built right in there. Um, and then the, um, power taps are actually in the hub of your rear wheel. And, you know, the power taps have been, very well proven and kind of where because they were a little bit more reasonable price they were still pretty expensive um most people that rode with power ended up with a with a power tap but they had that extra weight in the hub of their wheel um but uh you know they were they were quite effective and you can certainly still get your hands on one of those if you want to uh, but since then you know now we have both crank based and as elliot has now the pedal based um, there's even a few, there's a new one. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. I forgot to look it up here. Uh, but there's, there's ones that, uh, don't necessarily, the, the accuracy may be a little bit off, but, um, they can give you a pretty close idea on, um, what your, your effort is. And these ones, uh, oh yeah, here it is. It's the VeloComp PowerPod power meter, which retails, um, for 300 bucks. Um, and, uh, it supposedly does a pretty decent job of, of grasping your, your power there, even though it's, it actually sits up off your handlebars. Um, and then, you know, is, is picking up somehow your, your power effort levels, um, based on, you know, looking back at your, uh, your feet and your pedaling and it's connecting that way. Um, but, um, again, most people are using these days, either a crank based or a pedal based power meter. Um, so there's all kinds of different companies out there and you can ultimately spend as much as you want you know those those lower end options you know i think 299 is the lowest i've ever seen for a power meter of this this type um but uh you know you can get up into the 12 1500 range pretty easy um you know cork i think is a 
is an excellent company that, that provides a, a really nice product as well. Um, but uh, actually, and they, their prices have come down a little bit. But uh, Stages is an outstanding, um, reasonably economical option where, um, depending on what exactly you're looking for, and, and these aren't oh, kind of a one one power meter will fit every bike. They do have to be, you have to make sure that they fit with the, the components and crank legs. And um, there's a few other variables that go into making sure you get the right one. Yeah, and that's um, one of the reasons why I, I chose pedal because the pedal will fit any bike I decide to get. So that, yeah. that was probably one of the biggest reasons why I chose a pedal-based power system. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, that's, and you do have to, uh, I think they only make them for the look style pedals yeah. is the drawback to me. Um, cause I use uh, speed play pedals at this point. Um, so you can't get them. they just don't fit inside those smaller pedals, but, uh, for the, um, you know, Garmin vectors are an option or the, um, power tap P1 pedals is, uh, what Elliot has, right. Yeah. Um, and those are, uh, those are good options. I have some clients using both of those. And the Garmin's actually, in particular, the, the metrics and things they give you um, as outputs is just insane. Actually, it's just almost too much. Information. It's over the top. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but you know, if you're going to spend that kind of money, um, I do think that it's uh, it's well worth it. And um, I guess also one thing we should mention is in the value there and how you understand what that power actually means um, is by establishing what we call as your FTP, which is your functional threshold power. And so there's quite a few different ways that you can you can test that to establish you know roughly what your FTP is. Uh, but your FTP technically should be the amount of power that if you were to go absolutely all out for one hour, you know that's what the level of wattage you should be able to hold. Um, so you know, I do the test a little bit differently. Most people don't, um, you know, wish upon their worst enemies to do an all-out effort for an hour. So um, there's other ways to to calculate it on shorter, different intervals and things like that. But um, once you have that FTP, then you can do all your training and things based on percentages of your FTP, and um, you know, almost or the majority of the peak triathlon coaching clients are you know using power meters and uh are getting their their um bike intervals uh and efforts based on on ftp um so and from a coaching yeah from a from a coaching perspective i mean looking at power data just it's exactly what i want to look at and it just provides me so much more information than just heart rate would provide and they are they are costly. I mean, as Colin said, they are coming down in price, but it it is a valuable training tool, which, I mean, it's not going to make you faster right off the bat, but it is another, just another tool that you can use in your training to, I mean, as we talked about, it'll help pacing and, I mean, riding by zones, power zones, um, that, that helps so much in training. Yeah. And I mean, also too, just to kind of perspective from like benchmarking and testing and things like that. So if you don't have a power meter and you want to do, you know, heart rate based efforts, I mean, you could technically you could ride the trainer or you could ride the same course and see, you know, hopefully your time decrease um, as you complete that distance or something. Um, you know, most people as they're getting into the sport, they still haven't quite found how to really 
maximize their efforts on the bike so their heart rates may increase as they do you know later tests and things like that so they can uh, increase their you know their lactate threshold uh, and their threshold numbers to be able to to be a bit higher but with power you know you know you know your FTP you know um, is is going to be set amount we'll call it 300 watts or 200 watts um, for somebody and then you know so if you you establish that baseline in that first test then when you go to do that next test um, which all kinds of different uh, perspectives on how often that should be done and things like that but whenever that may be that you do that next test you know now if you were at 200 and you end up at you know 215 you know clearly you've uh, you've made that improvement there and, and solidified that you are you know the training you're doing is is working and uh, and you are getting stronger so it's a great way to to be able to help you improve or to solidify whether you know you're you're improving or not i agree yeah um so yeah, that's that's really what I had, and what you know, if you know, you really there's there's two tools you're gonna buy. Those are the ones that we would recommend. Um, again, there's so much other stuff that we could we could bring out and, and talk about, but uh, we want to kind of keep stick to those core uh, core gadgets here for now, um, and you know, leave us our feed your feedback for sure, and and let us know if you want to talk about some other things, but. Uh, that's about what I wanted to cover here. Ali, you got anything else you want yeah, to add? Yeah, things were good. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I hope that was helpful. And uh, we, I promise we'll uh, we'll get back on track here and we'll get uh, start pumping these out again. Um, let us know if there's things that you're interested in, in hearing about. Uh, seems like we got a little bit more uh, views on things where it was us kind of talking about different categories as opposed to doing as many guests so we may focus on some different things for a little bit here and uh not do as many guests but uh we're uh, always happy to talk about whatever it is to make you the best age grouper for life that you can be <laughs> i'm glad you're not going pro con <laughs> that's right <laughs> so awesome well thanks again everybody we'll uh talk to you soon here all right thanks everyone